Good morning. Oh, nice, even personalized it. That's great. <laughs> Love you all. Hey, I don't know how many of you have heard that yet today from Jesus or somebody in your life, but you are loved. That's the place we want to start every week with everybody knowing or at least hearing and starting to believe that they are deeply loved right where you're at in your story now. I love that about God. He loves us all the way through. Well, I get to, if I'm meeting you for the very first time, my name's Anne, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to do week four of the This Is Us series, and this This Is Us series is us describing who we are as a community of faith, what our purpose is, what our pathway is to fulfilling God's purposes for us, and also talking about the things that we will be together as we live out our mission and our call from God. And so I get to pick this up about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and about specifically gift-oriented ministry. But this is all about the Holy Spirit today, and I want you to know that there's gonna be three parts to the talk, and the first part is gonna be about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and the second part is gonna be about how those gifts work their way out in within the Evergreen community and outside of the Evergreen community. And then the last part will be experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit together. That's where we'll take communion. We're gonna worship some more. And we're gonna ask you to wait on the Lord, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to see what he might do in our midst. And so I'm excited about that. Are you guys ready? Awesome. Well, my granddaughter, Christina, and Jacob, our grandson, spent the night with us. And um, night before last. And yesterday, last night, when we got them home, Christina realized that we'd forgotten a couple things. So we rehearsed what we'd forgotten. One was their sound machine, and one was her Disneyland necklace. And she just returned from Disneyland, so this is quite precious. And um, then she said, You won't remember. <laughs> and she wrote us a list. <laughs> yes. She wrote us a list. It says Disneyland necklace and, and I just want to say this, by the time she got to the list, she couldn't remember what the second thing was. <laughs> she wrote and something else. <laughs> we immediately went home and got the sound machine and the necklace together. And you guys are all my witnesses that I am returning it to her today at church as we promised we would. This is the same granddaughter who at the beginning of this past summer drew a Venn diagram. You know, the two circles and in the middle where they intersect is the both part. Well, one circle was Grammy, one circle was Papa, and in the center was both of us. And it was what she wanted to do with us that summer, this past summer. So she had this, and uh, Papa's was filled with a lot of things that had to do with blueberries. And Grammy's was filled with a lot of things that had to do with ice cream, okay? <laughs> Just go figure. We know which one's the healthy one, okay. But the fun thing is, I'm talking about spiritual gifts this morning, and even in these early years of a child's life, you can begin to spot gifts, the gifts they're born with that are the gifts that are expression of Imago Dei and the gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. And I mean, she's definitely an achiever. She likes her list and check it twice, right? And her Venn diagram, of course. So... Um, I thought it was really fun to see these gifts being expressed in her. But I wanted to show you this picture this morning. And it's, let's see, not this picture, but the next one right here. Yeah. So I want you to look at that picture and think about your own spiritual gift and working of the Holy Spirit in your life journey. Okay, because this reminded me when I saw this picture in my alabaster Bible, uh, then I thought, wow, 
That kind of looks like my journey. The one that has uh, the big zigs and zags in it, that orange piece of yarn. Okay, if the bow represents the Holy Spirit, this is what I want to tell you. When I first got saved, I got saved in a church that believed that the gifts of the Spirit, that the working of the Spirit, he came and lived in you, but he didn't do much. Because all of the gifts and all of that power stuff stopped when the last apostle died of the 12 that Jesus had selected, right? They call, they're called cessationists. So when I grew up, I grew up slightly frustrated as I got into my high school years of like, where is, how do you make the life of God real? How does the life of God work through me and work in my relationships with others? And I couldn't figure that out. And my youth pastor uh, couldn't share that with me. But my brother, who was youth pastor in Eugene, Joe, who many of you have met, he came and invited me to Sunshine One. Okay, and the next year was Sunshine too, because we're creative. Okay, Sunshine, as in S-O-N-S-H-I-N-E. This was a big rock concert. I mean, does that sound like the 70s or what? Okay, so I went down as a sophomore in high school, and um, our youth group was actually forbidden to go, so I went by my, I mean, myself and, and took a, sis, uh, right, a sister with me. And we went, and I mean, we did street witnessing, we had workshops, they introduced us to, you know, the working of the Holy Spirit and how God wanted to do his work through us. And I mean, we did some things we probably shouldn't have, like hitchhiked and stuff like that to get to where we were going to do street witnessing. But those are things we don't tell your parents. Okay, so in the middle of that, though, God found a way to get that to me, but I still did not just open up to the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the coming upon of his power. I had opened up to Jesus, received his Holy Spirit, but this empowerment piece where the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power, that part I hadn't opened up to yet. I wasn't quite sure of what that all meant, and I went to college in the University of Oregon, and the second Sunday ended up at, Spring, at Eugene Faith Center, and there at Eugene, our pastor, Roy, who became our mentor, I mean, he was all of 27 years old, but we thought he was old, right? I mean, he was an adult, and we were, we were not yet, but he started talking about this the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And it was just part of it. We'd take hands every service and invite the Holy Spirit to freshly fill us. And just this awareness that the Holy Spirit was at work and I was a part of that. And so in that, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And what happened for me transformed my spiritual journey with Jesus because his word opened up to me. I began to understand things that I hadn't understood before. When I was reading before, it seemed more like Greek. When I, Which it is in parts, right? But... I went and just the whole life of God just opened up for me. There was just a fresh empowerment for ministry, speaking boldly in Jesus' name, sharing my faith with friends and praying for people to be healed and not being afraid of just moving out with people. And I determined at that time that I never wanted to look back. I didn't want to go back to that old way of living, of living in a powerless relationship with God. And so... Yesterday, I was at a memorial service, a celebration of life for one of our colleagues who died suddenly of a heart attack. He's just two years older than us, but he went to college with us at U of O. We were sent out as church planters, and we were all um, together sent out of this church, Faith Center. And so we were there at Faith Center in a packed house, experiencing his life together and what he had stood for. And in that moment, I was just reminded of this journey this zigzag journey, and this reminder that I don't want to go back. And the thing is, I don't want to 
lead a church that isn't aware of the working of the Holy Spirit. I don't want any of you to have to leave here to figure out that God wants to come upon you in power, that he wants to give you gifts, that he wants to continue his work, his supernatural work in people's lives through each one of us. And that's what today is all about. And one weekend is not enough, but you have to start somewhere. So I want to share with you that we value the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that we value gift-oriented ministry, and that's not just roles and assignments. I'm talking, I'll talk to you more about that. So my journey looks like a zigzag, and I don't know where your journey is today, but I hope that when you walk out of here, you will be more open to the Holy Spirit than you've ever been before. Spiritual gifts are abilities given by God to do his work in his big world. And so today we want to say, let's be open for business, his business. Let's be open for business because spiritual gifts matter. Now we know Paul told us this in 1 Corinthians 12, the first verse he says, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about spiritual gifts. It was important to him that we understand what they are, that we know about them. He goes on in 1 Corinthians 14 to say, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. And all of these tell us that spiritual gifts matter, and they don't just matter for us as recipients of the Holy Spirit, but they matter for God's big family. They matter for us, for the people we relate to within the community of Evergreen. They matter for our coworkers. It matters for our neighbors. It matters for every person that we're going to interact with this week because the gifts that God's given you are for all of those arenas and for all of those relationships, not just for this one hour that we're together. So when we look at the early church, these gifts are often described, and we've got some Greek words for them, we've got a few definitions, and, and I'll reference those in just a minute, but you've got those things, but you've also Notice what they don't talk about. What we aren't given is a technique and methodology manual on spiritual gifts. In other words, this is the way they have to be delivered. This is the way that you do them. It's not a methodology. And that is because Jesus is very personal. And he took into account the person and the culture and how he delivered spiritual gifts, whether it be a supernatural healing, whether it be a word of wisdom about a person's life, any of those things. But I want to just review with you the early church because we've been talking about the church at Jerusalem and the church at Antioch, and I want to see that this is all part of the flow of what God's saying to us in that this is us. So in Acts 2, we talked about the birth of the church where thousands of people came from all over the known world to celebrate Pentecost, and while they were there, 120 believers in Jesus who had seen him and witnessed his ministry were having a prayer meeting, and suddenly flames of fire appeared over their heads, and they began to speak in tongues and this crowd that was surrounding them heard the wonders of God in their language. Each of them, and these were people from all over the world, so in other words, they each heard it in their own language. And these 120 had not learned those languages. So this was that breakout of supernatural power and gifts there at Pentecost and thousands came to know Jesus. And then in Acts 4, we see Peter and John, and they're just doing what they regularly do. They were headed to the temple to pray at one of the regular times of prayer, a habit of theirs, not something out of the ordinary. And this beggar who had been there for many years, had begged there probably for his lifetime, 
was standing there, and this time he caught their attention, and they responded to him, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, give we thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And they took him by the hand, and he started walking and leaping and praising God, jumping all over the place. An amazing, miraculous healing had happened through them. He was instantly made strong in his feet and his legs. And then we get to Acts 10, and we see Cornelius, this man that Peter was sent to. And Cornelius had his whole household collected, and Peter stands up to preach a message at him to tell him about the good news of Jesus. And as he's telling him about Jesus, he's not even finished talking. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking praises to God and speaking in tongues. Wow. They didn't have a primer on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. They just were hearing about Jesus for the first time and about the fact that he was going to send his spirit, and it happens. How many of you would like that to happen? Yeah, that's awesome. We're with somebody who doesn't even know Jesus yet, and we start sharing them, and they just like, boom. They're there. They accept Christ. I want more of that in my life. I want more of that in my life. I hope you're hungry for the same thing. So this week, you know, Jared and I were talking about that incident. We're saying, you know, that's just Jesus doing what Jesus does. That's not something unusual in the sense of that's not out of the ordinary for Jesus. And so that's what we began to pray. Right then, we prayed together for all of us that even as we gathered today, Jesus would just do what he does. He would be who he is in our midst, and we would be open to that. So we go on, and we read in Acts 13, we see two different leaders that are listed and described, uh, five different leaders, actually. They're described as prophets and teachers, and we've always talked about the sending part of that, but you'll remember that there's these men, and there were five of them, and there were at least two gifts represented there, and of course, we know some more that weren't. And then a few chapters later, we read about Agabus coming coming up from Jerusalem to Antioch and sharing about the famine that was going to come on the Roman world and help prepare those people to give to that, to help the people who are in need for that. So spiritual gifts, they are all over the early church being shared. And so what do we learn from these early church examples that I've just summarized for us is this. First of all, the spiritual gifts bring the work of God to other people's lives. Spiritual gifts bring the work of God to other people's lives. They matter, in other words. Are we open for his business? And then spiritual gifts happen wherever we are. That's the second thing we learn. Whether you're in the synagogue or the temple, whether they were traveling or whether they were out in the marketplace, the gifts were at work. Spiritual gifts, thirdly, are delivered in all sorts of ways. There's not one methodology, and this is where we can get hung up, because the methodologies that we watch Jesus, that we watch the apostles, that we watch the early Christians do, they were all adapted to the person they were talking to, or the person they were ministering to, and the culture that they were ministering in, because Jesus loves to be personal. Many times he started it, a conversation with them, and it wasn't even about what they had come to him for, right? And you think, well, this is the obvious thing. He's blind, he needs to see. No, he needs to be forgiven. Jesus knew these things. And he, he tailored his, adjust, his giving of gifts that way. 
So we want to talk now on this. That was just the introduction, friends. We're on part one now, gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to look with you at four passages, and before I do that, I want to say just a couple of things. We're going to look at four major passages. won't be comprehensive. You'll need to go to your Bibles and read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 in particular, solidly through, but we're referring there and some other places. So the gifts of the Spirit, there's two kinds of gifts, friends, and, and this is when we just, if you want to categorize, there's two major categories. One are the gifts that we're born with, and one are the gifts that we're reborn with, the gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit when we say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes in us and comes upon us with power. There are gifts distributed by him. First of all, these gifts that we're born with, these are expressions of the Imago Dei. Genesis 2 tells us that male and female were created in his image, in the Imago Dei. And each one of our varied gifts all together were this beautiful expression of who he is. And each one of us is a micro expression of who he is. But together is really a beautiful bouquet, a fantastic orchestra of who he is in God's world And we bring an aroma, we bring a picture, we bring a sound that helps express who God is to people. Now, in addition to this, we're all each given gifts of the Holy Spirit. And there's several views on these gifts of the Holy Spirit that we're going to read about in a minute. But I want you to know what what they are and what ours is as we go. First of all, that gifts of the Spirit were given for what's needed in the moment, So they're not fixed. They're in the moment. What that person needs, God's going to equip you and give you what you need for them. Okay, the second view is that gifts are given for a lifetime, that you receive gifts of the Spirit, and those are are static. They are the gifts you have. They're all the gifts you have, and they're the only gifts you have. And there's other people who do those other things, okay? So that's another viewpoint. And then there's this third viewpoint, which is both and. And that's where we stand. They are both and. God sees the person. He's about bringing his work to their lives. And he'll do whatever he needs to do to do that. So he gives you a gift in the moment that you usually wouldn't operate in. Maybe it's a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge. And you, and you don't usually practice that. You don't usually aren't able to express that. Those are, that's that both and approach. And then there's those gifts that you just are and you are for your full walk with Jesus here on planet earth. So the favorite metaphor for the church by God is a body. And I want you to take a look at this picture. This is a body works. These are real bodies that have been donated to science and then they plastinate them and they travel all over the U.S. in displays. It's pretty phenomenal display. If you know Jesus, the creator of all this, then you're, they're pretty phenomenal. But I wanted you to look at this one. It's the end of football season, so... I went with football. But what are some observations you'd make? You need to use your outdoor voices here about the parts of the body here as you look at it. Yeah, there's lots of muscles. Lots of different kinds of them. Yeah? Complex, Complex, yes. What was it? Connected, yeah. Vigorous? Yes. Delicate, yeah. Yes, intricate. Action, yeah. Proportion, yeah. Even in these athletes, there's proportion, right? Power, yes. 
All of these make it easy. When we look at a picture like this, it's easy to understand why God chose this metaphor of a body. Because a body has many parts. Even if you just take one thing, which is muscle, it doesn't just have one kind of muscle. It's got a whole bunch of different kinds of muscle, depending on what part of the body it's in and what its function is. So each part of the body, whether it's delicate or intricate or complex or massive, it, all of these parts work together to help us make a whole, healthy, functioning body. And this is what Paul is going to explain to us out of 1 Corinthians 12, where I want to start reading now in verse 1. It says, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. And all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now let's jump to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you, now you are, we are the body of Christ. See yourself in, this, in these verses. He's talking about us. He's not talking just about the church at Corinth. He's talking about us, Big C Church. Each one of us is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, and teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Now let's jump to Romans because Paul continues his talk about spiritual gifts there in Romans 12. He says, by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If the, grace, if the gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. And if it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. These are interesting. Then we move to Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 11, where he says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And finally, in 1 Peter 4, 
Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in all its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, God will be praised through Jesus Christ. To him, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Let your word have its way in us today, Lord. So I want to just mention six things that we learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit from these scriptures. And before I do, I want to highlight this resource list that we put together for you. Because as I said, this is just one week, one hour, not that long. It's a half hour, really, of a talk. And this is a resource list. And for those of you who like to have the Greek words there, I've put them down. But I've consolidated the list. I didn't do redundancies. Some of these gifts are mentioned in each of those lists. And others are only mentioned once. So this is just a comprehensive of those. However, the gifts of the Spirit are never shared in the Scripture like a comprehensive list. It's an example. For example, this and this and this. There's many gifts that you won't find listed explicitly or listed in that way, described in that way. So these are, and I thought this would be a helpful tool for you. I will note that under miraculous powers, I forgot to finish my thoughts apparently because um, that's the gift of miracles and that is performing things that can only be performed by God's power. And that could be in the physical bodies, through healing, that could be in raising the dead, that could be in a whole number of ways, but gift of miracles. And I didn't uh, describe that further for you. So that brings us to this, um, these six things. And the first one is this, that gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit for the common good. Gifts are distributed by the Holy Spirit for the common good. So the Holy Spirit makes the determination what gifts are given and to whom. Now, in Ephesians, you might have noticed that Paul talks about these gifts that are given by Jesus. And in 1 Corinthians 12, we read that God has placed the parts in the body, each one of them, as he wishes. So what I want you to see is that God, the triune God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all three of them are involved in this distribution system with the gifts of the Spirit. But what's the big message to us in that? It's not up to us. It's not up to us. Which gifts go to whom? That's off of our shoulders. So don't compare. Because it's God that's the distributor in each one of our lives. So we don't have to worry about what that other person has except to experience the wonder of it, the experience of God's work in us because they were willing to share. So we want to do that. Now another thing that he highlights here is that different gifts, same spirit, Different ways to serve, same Lord. Different work, kinds of working, but it's the same God. With all these variety of gifts that God distributes through his Holy Spirit, there is still only one God. There's still only one church, Big C Church. There's still only one body. It's one God behind it all. And that's, there's this amazing unity in our variety. Remember we said unity not uniformity. Isn't that the picture of the body? The body was not uniform everywhere, but it was unified. Every muscle was connected. Tendons were connected in order for it to function properly. So that's what we get to work with. Second thing that we see is that gifts are expressions of God's grace in our lives. 
Peter highlights this for us. Gifts are expressions of God's grace in our lives. Now, this has some ramifications that are awesome because here's the deal. You can't earn gifts. You wouldn't want to. I wouldn't have any gifts if I had to earn them, right? I can't measure up to God's standards. It's because of Jesus that we all are able to, in grace, receive his gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the other side of that equation. The people that we share gifts with don't deserve them or have to earn them either. Maybe you haven't ever had God tell you that you're supposed to share something with someone you didn't want to give that message to because you didn't think that they really deserved it or you thought that somebody else would be better. I did that. I did that with my, I'm going to just give one example, my stepmom in my life. You know, God had to intervene with me to show me that loving her meant sharing what he gave me to share with her. His work at work in somebody else's life. So we don't earn or deserve the gifts that we get, and neither do, does anyone else. So the gifts that we give to others, they don't have to earn them or deserve them. Thirdly, we have different gifts, but we all have one body, this amazing unity thing. And then fourthly, gifts are given to serve others. They are meant to be shared, right? Gifts are given so that we can serve others. So share them. Don't hold them in. This is this whole thing about be open for God's business. Be open for God's business. And that brings us to gifts are directed and empowered. He shows us who to share them with and gives us the strength and power to do this. And Peter highlights this one as well. Not only are they expressions of God's grace, but that they are sourced and directed by God. He's at work from beginning to end in our gifts. And then last but not least is gifts are for the marketplace and for the church gathered. And I want to spend just a couple minutes on this one because this is probably the thing that trips us up or that keeps us from being Jesus out in our world, out in his big world. Jesus demonstrated this really well. He moved in gifts wherever the opportunity arose, whether it was at the temple or whether it was the synagogue, whether he was traveling to another place and met somebody along the way that needed the power of God in their lives, whether he was in the marketplace He did not wait for temple or synagogue services in order to be able to share the gifts that God had given him, the gifts that he came to planet Earth with by the power of the Spirit. And we don't have to either. We don't have to wait for Sunday. There are 8,760 hours in a year. And in a year, if you come 52 weekends, and I'm going to be generous and say you're here for two hours, that's 104 hours. So if... You're open for God's business just when we're together. Think of what a small fraction. That's 8,656 hours that you are closed for God's business. And that's so important that we break that mindset. This means, though, something very important and something that's gotten harder than ever in our culture. This means that you and I, the biggest deterrent, to being open for the business of what God wants to do in other people's lives, for letting the Holy Spirit's gifts move through us, is to be aware in the moment, to be living in the moment with who's in front of us, not with what's going to happen in the future, not with what I just came from. Jared and I are both futurists. That means we really like the future. But guess what? That can keep you, those thoughts about what's happening next can keep you from the person who's right in front of you. And being aware of what God wants to do through you for them. 
We have friends who have context. That's another strength in some people's lives. Context people tend to look back to make meaning of the present, so they spend a lot of time in the past. That doesn't help us either when we're in the present moment. We need to be in the moment, and our technology has not helped us with this in that we are more distracted than ever. I'm reading a book right now called Indistractable, a really good book that talks about how we can change that up. But we are distracted, and that's the biggest deterrent from us experiencing the gifts of the Spirit to be able to minister to other people, to be able to share God's life and love with other people. So the thing is, at the same time that we have this marketplace mentality with the gifts, that we want to be open for business 8,760 hours a year, there's also that Paul that lets us know that when the church gathers, we come with something of the Spirit to share with other people. That 104 hours that we're together in community, whether it be an hour on Sundays and then an hour with your small group that you gather with, okay, that's a couple hours. That might even tally three hours. Those hours matter. We come with something from the Spirit for other people. And, I mean, these are our people, friends. These are our people. It would be like shorting your family for the stranger. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. It has to be both and. And so we want to make these times come. But the thing is, that's far from the consumer approach, which says, what's on the menu at church for me today? Do I like that topic they're going to talk about? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be there for that. Instead, we have to change our mindset to what can I bring? And I'm going to use an old metaphor. How many of you have ever been to a potluck? Okay, and I think most of us know what a potluck is, right? It's a shared meal where everybody who comes brings something to contribute to the meal. And that's the picture of spiritual gifts when the church is gathered, whether it's in a small group, a community-sized group, or a gathering like this on Sunday mornings. And we have to change our mindset to realize that I have something to bring. And God, what do you want me to bring today? So I had a word he shared with me a week and a half ago in my quiet time out of Matthew 14. And I just felt it was for somebody. But he said, not this week, the next week. And not in here, but in the lobby with someone. See, he's going to do this. And this is our thinking that has to change. He's going to do this when we're standing in line to wait for our kids to check them in or pick them back up. He's going to do this when we're out there in the lobby having hospitality. He's going to do this as you're sitting there and, and you're invited to turn and connect with people. He's going to do this because you're going to see somebody across the room when we get up at the end of this service and they say, I want you to go tell them this. So realizing that it's not just all going to happen from the front and on the stage, but that it's going to happen around you wherever God takes you in the group. So I remember when this first was reinforced for me, it's been a, a lifelong, like, uh, reinforced from this one time. I was uh, 20 years old. I was attending Eugene Faith Center, and I was uh, going to this Bible study that God had directed me to go to. Uh, it was about 100 women, and all of them were at a different phase of life. You know, I was 20, single, college, uh, that life, and they were married, a lot of them were married, and, or professional people, and I was like, that morning when I went into study, uh, my thoughts before I went were, God, are you sure you really want me to go to this study? I mean, these women are in a different phase of life, I'm not relating to them, I, you know, what's in it for me? Okay, basically, that's what I was assessing, what's in it for me? 
And that was my mindset as I went in. So I went in, I sat down, and I'd been going to this study for a little while. I sat down in the back, and a nice safe spot. Well, Vicki Becker, the women's pastor at Faith Center, zipped down the aisle before the study starts and says to me, Ann, do you have a word from the Lord for us? I don't know about you, but I don't make those things up. Okay, I'm not going to say God's saying something if he, if he isn't saying something. And I tell you, I searched my brain, you know, but there was nothing. There was nothing. So she said, I'm going to come back in about five minutes and ask you again. Well, I mean, meanwhile, my mind's just tumbling, thinking about, is there a scripture out of my devotions? You know, what is there here I could share? And uh, nothing, nothing. It was just dead. Of course, my attitude hadn't been the best, right? I mean, I hadn't been listening. I hadn't been aware. But I just didn't. And I, she came back to me, and she said, Ann, do you have that word for us? And I said, I don't. I just really don't, Vicki. I've tried to think of it. And she said, so this is your reminder that you aren't here for you. You are here for them. What are you going to bring? And that's all she said, and she went back up and led the rest of the study. But it stuck in my mind about this idea of each of us. It's a potluck when we come to church, but it's a potluck of gifts of the Holy Spirit, each one sharing each one adding to the other from what God has shown you. So how do I get started in these gifts of the Spirit that God has given me? And we're talking about in gift-oriented ministry, which we said we value here at Evergreen. This is part two now. How gift-oriented ministry works at Evergreen. We've just talked about how it can work, uh, how gifts of the Spirit can work when we gather. But what about this gift-oriented ministry? Well, our value is this, that we value gift-oriented ministry, so we serve in ways that match our gifts, our character, and our competence. And what that means is that we do not just ask people to fill vacancies around here. That does not work. That's a lesson in frustration for the person that you ask to serve. So, secondly, we have a no warm bodies and cold hole approach. We do not believe in putting warm bodies in cold holes. That's just another way of saying we don't just fill vacancies. We don't try to make people who are circles become squares because God made them a circle. And God made squares, and he's got a place for everyone. It'd be like doing a transplant of one muscle from one part of the body to another part. And that wouldn't always look right or work well. And we don't want to do that for people. Now, all that to say, though, it doesn't mean that we don't have to do tough stuff sometimes. I want to say that life together in a body, there are some dirty jobs that the body does, right? And all the parts of the body contribute toward those dirty jobs. I don't think I want to go into what those are right now. But <laughs> all that to say is that we all share in those from time to time. You know, there's somebody who does laundry for baptisms around here, and they do all the towels that get used as people come out of the baptistry, several loads of laundry. What kind of person does that? A person with the gift of helps. A person who, when she looks at a load of towels or he looks at a load of towels, what they see is all the faces of those people who had this milestone event with Jesus and gave their lives to him in a public way and identified with him in, Christian, in, in baptism. So in that, that's... What we mean when we say gift-oriented ministry. So how do you discover how to share your gifts at Evergreen? Well, there's several ways, and I want to highlight those for you this morning. The first is this. We invite everybody to take rooted 
um, as one way to do that. Because in Rooted, you're going to explore what your spiritual gifts are. And you might take a spiritual gifts assessment, but that's just a real limited way to discover your gifts. I want to say that in a group is where you get to practice them. In a group is where you get to experiment. And we call that the trial and error method. And then furthermore, you get to invite your friends, your family, the people who are around you in your group to comment on what they notice your strengths are, your gifts are, your passions are. So there's that opportunity. But if you haven't taken Rooted, the next one will be this fall, and that will be really cool. But you don't have to wait for Rooted to start sharing your gifts. That's not necessary. No, you could do number two. You can do a little self-examination with Jesus. And there's three things you can ask yourself about. First of all, affinity. What human needs am I drawn to? What human needs am I drawn to? What interests me? What's my passion? And then ability. What am I good at? What do people say I'm really effective at doing with people? Thirdly is opportunity. What openings or opportunities are available? What needs to be done around here? Looking at that. And when you see those three factors, your affinity, your abilities, and your opportunities all coming together, they kind of can point you in a direction of there might be several things on that list that seem to really work well. But what do you do next? Well, then you're ready to take a look at the Evergreen app and at the volunteer application. I wanted to make this very practical for you. So you see the Evergreen app, that's free. You download it, that's what it look like. looks like. You click on it and you go to register. This is what the face of it will look like. Click on register and it brings up this screen. And over here you see volunteer adult, age 18 and above, volunteer youth age 17 and below. Now, this kind of sharing of gifts, we're talking about sharing it through roles and assignments and parts, you know, like a muscle attaching itself to a tendon, attaching itself to a joint. That's what you're doing when you sign up as a volunteer in the area that God's gifted you. So we're just giving you a pathway here, showing you an example. But sometimes, friends, many times, you're just living life. You're just loving Jesus. You're living life in community, and a leader initiates with you and asks you to serve in some way. A leader will approach you who's watched you, maybe in a group or another context, and they'll invite you to an opportunity. They'll see something in you that makes them say, hey, have you ever thought of? Has anybody ever told you? Did you know that that's an awesome gift to be able to see those things in people's lives. And it's so important that you not keep that gift to yourself, that you speak it out into others' lives. But when you do that, that's an opportunity for the person who's been called out by the leader to make a decision. So when I was probably 19 years old, Don Ann Bowman, who was a woman's pastor at Faith Center, she came to me and asked me if I would help her lead a Bible study. That was my first time other than college ministry, but that was my first time that I've been asked to do that at 6.30 in the morning, which gave this morning person great joy. <laughs> I've never been part of 6.30 in the morning since then, but hey, it was great while it lasted. So she believed in me. She saw something in me, and she began to develop me. I was reminded of that as I was there yesterday in those exact places about how when somebody sees something in you, and calls it out, how wonderful it is. And to do that, you have to be present. You have to be with some people. You have to be part of a group. 
So that's so important. I also want to tell you how I found Kim Lawless, our kids pastor. Because I was the summer camping director for the Northwest District, and um, we were doing a bunch of weeks at Crestview, and I was expanding the camp, doing more weeks, and I needed another director. And so I looked at one of the kids' camps. I was looking out over the team, watching them all week, and I just saw this woman named Kim, who I had just met that week. She was a cabin leader. That was her only role. She wasn't program staff or directing or anything, and she was a cabin leader with some girls from Cottage Grove, and I just noticed something about her. I noticed how... It wasn't just the kids that flocked around Kim, though that was very true, but all of the other cabin leaders would come to her. They were all flocking around her. And so I said, there's my next director. So I went and I asked her if she would be director. Well, here's the funny thing. I did not know, nor did she tell me then and not till sometime later, that she had been a kid's pastor for all of two weeks. And now, she, I, so I was just like, well, of course, she's the leader. She's going to make a great director. I was just like matter of fact about it. But for her, it was like, you know, I mean, a great fear and trembling fell upon them all. <laughs> yeah, probably more than one. But Kim, uh, that's, how I, uh, that's how I connected with her. You see, that's, God wants to use you that way. He wants to use you that way in some of our, our students' lives in our kids' lives, calling them out on the things we see for them. It's, it's an amazing privilege, you guys. It's, it's what we want to be here. So you notice that when you get that invitation, sometimes it's an invitation to experiment and to figure it out as you go. Other times it's a big trust leap and you jump in with both feet, which is what Kim had to do when I asked her to do that new thing. And she just had to dive in. But you notice that we also mentioned character and competence play into sharing your gifts. And we start where Jesus started, and that's relationship. So, in a first conversation with somebody, we can discover things like whether they're a pre-Christian, whether they're a new Christian, whether they're an established Christian, or whether they're a mentoring Christian. And that really helps us figure out where they could fit together, where their gifts could be utilized best it informs the ways that a person will serve. And then we like to explore the kind of experience they had. And that helps us discover how skilled they are. So we make sure we really call them out to opportunity rather than making them repeat something they've done many times. God has gifted each one of you. Let's be open for business, his business. In this part three, I felt like God wanted us to experience the Holy Spirit's gifts. And we're going to start that by taking communion together. So we're going to sing a song. And as we sing that song about Jesus, the communion is going to be passed. And as the communion passes, I'm asking you to take the bread representing his body, broken for us so that we could be whole. And take the juice, which represents his blood that was shed for us, the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. The thing that qualifies us to be filled with the Spirit, the thing that qualifies us to express his gifts in his big world is this, communion. And we remember as we take communion today that it was hours before his death that he shared with his followers about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't be afraid. You're not going to be left alone. I'm going to send you a comforter. I'm going to send you a counselor. I'm going to send you a gift giver, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you somebody who's going to take the things that I've taught you, and he's going to remind you of them. And this morning, we have that opportunity. So first, we're going to take communion as it's passed, 
and we're going to experience this time of just worshiping Jesus in this song. And then I'm going to invite you to experience the Holy Spirit speaking to you.